like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. As I meander across the musical landscape of our world, Often, one talented musician leads me to another, and that's how I got to know of and invite Doug McKenzie to be today's guest for Song of the Soul. Sue West is a bit of a prodigy at Acoustic Roots Music in the local region where I live, and in the aftermath of my visit with her, I found out that she's teamed up with a great folk musician with deep roots, fertilized by all of the folk music luminaries welcomed into his home that he shared with his brother, Guy McKenzie, folks like Bob Dylan, Judy Collins, and the like. So Doug grew up with some of the best examples you could hope for for fine music right there on their couch, leading him to become a folk minstrel of his own merit. Doug McKenzie joins me today by phone from North Carolina. Doug, I'm really excited to have you here today for Song of the Soul. It's absolutely my pleasure to be here, Mark. So we got together because of Sue West. Tell me about your association with Sue West. You have your own pedigree far beyond that, but how did you get together with Sue? Well, it's a Facebook relationship. We met because she was taking guitar lessons from one of my colleagues that I formerly taught guitar with. At one point, she friended me, and before we knew it, we were trading tunes back and forth, and she sent me her latest album, and I went, wow. And then we just decided we would be a better unit together than apart. But this is at a distance. She's in Wisconsin, maybe about an hour from where I live. And though you're born in New York, you're down in North Carolina. That's a fur piece. Yes, it is. It's about 1,300 miles. And that made for a very long drive up when I came up last October to record with her. So you do tour together, you do all that, but somehow you practice. I guess this internet world really makes those kind of things easy. It really is. It's starting to. We have tried to do some practicing through Skype. But unfortunately, the the broadband isn't broad enough to actually allow us both to sing and play. One of them will lag, and then once you're not playing and singing together, then you can't really do that. So what we did was we recorded YouTube videos and sent them to each other, and we simply used those as our rehearsal. And uh, then when we get together, we do a lot of intense rehearsal. So that's how we do it. Well, I know you've got a lot of exciting stories to tell, so let's just tell them in the course of your music. Start us off with your song of the soul. What's number one? Well, I think we're going to start with a tune by Daniel Lefkowitz called This Goddamn House. And I chose that song. Uh, it was given to me, actually, by my brother, Guy, when I was at the tail end of a decade of a lot of illness. And when he turned me on to this song, I thought I had never heard any song about being ill 
and also about the caregiver who must care for somebody who is chronically ill for a long period of time. And the song touched me on many different levels. I had a heart attack at 46, and it was just followed by a cascade of other failures that just kept coming and um, put me out of work, put me on the disabled list. I'm just now really climbing out of all of that and regaining some of my health. And do you attribute your ill health to the wanton life of a folk singer? No, I attribute my ill health to the wanton life of an aviation mechanic. I built and serviced and modified and repaired and tore down jet engines for 30 years. And it wrecked my hands and the constant stress probably wrecked my heart and a bunch of other things that happened. And it's, I should have known when I was doing that, that as I looked around, I didn't see a lot of older guys doing that kind of work. And as I started to creep into my 40s, that work got significantly harder to do. And as my hands fell apart, and I've had six surgeries on them since then, it just made it extraordinarily difficult to do the work. And then finally, I just couldn't do any kind of work like that. And then it just got to the point where I, I've got something called Dupuytren's disease, which is a contracture disease of the hands. So it just wants to turn them into a fist, and eventually that will require surgical intervention. But in the meantime, my doctors have all said, keep playing guitar. It keeps your hands moving, and it's probably the best therapy that we can think of because you can just pick it up and do it any time as opposed to going once a week to some you know, hand specialist. And are you also a harmonica player? I am. That will give us some warning. You're playing guitar and harmonica in this song, This Goddamn House. It's written by Daniel Lefkowitz. But it's played here by Doug McKenzie. How she left me here with breakfast in bed, oatmeal, no sugar, and a hard boiled. And a note on the dresser said I'll be back by three I'm going uptown, did you need anything? Yes, I'm going uptown, did you need anything? Now Hey! 
this goddamn house. It's played by Doug McKenzie. All that harmonica that you heard there, guitar, that's him. And your hands evidently seem to work really pretty uh, goddamn well. <laughs> Thank you. Whatever this problem you have, is it one hand more than the other? What's How does this work? No, it was both. I wound up getting uh, carpal tunnel syndrome. And uh, when they did the surgery to release that, it's what triggered the Dupuytren's disease. That song there represents probably about 30 hours worth of effort playing guitar and bass, and I think there's some electric guitar that washes that I put in the background too. But I, I can do it all, but I can't do it all the way I used to. That's for sure. It takes a lot longer, and I can't do it for as long a time as I used to be able to. And are you still able to comb your hair, however? Yes, I am. <laughs> that was one of the lines that actually just really wrecked me. I just get that feeling when uh, that's about that's all that's left to you at some point when you're very very ill and someone reminding you oh and by the way don't forget to comb your hair and it just hit me so hard because i know exactly what that feeling feels like when that's all that's left to you when your biggest thing you can say in a day is hey i dressed myself so they're very small victories and looked at in the light of the bigger picture they don't seem like much well, we better keep meandering down through all the wonderful music that you're going to share today. What would you like to be number two for your song of the soul? Arthur McBride? This is an old Scots traditional anti-recruiting song. The Scots have a long history uh, and quite a bit of animosity with the English. Uh, once Scotland was fully and thoroughly absorbed by Great Britain, there were a lot of very bra Highlander men that had nothing to do and the English either shipped them overseas or they said, we'll give, you a, we'll give you something to do and you want to fight, we'll put you in a British uniform. And they became the thin med line for Great Britain and the Highland regiments took the brunt of a lot of fighting. World War I, the Germans called them the ladies from hell because they still fought in kilts in World War I. This is an anti-recruiting song. And having spent 10 years in the U.S. Air Force, as I did, I thoroughly agree with the sentiments. We're all young and foolish at one point. Uh, I went in to get a decent trade and wound up going off to the Gulf War and coming back extraordinary who we are as a military and a country and what we're about and what we stand for and what we back and what we don't. Hence, Arthur McBride for Doug McKenzie. I had a first cousin, one Arthur McBride. He and I took a stroll down by the seaside. Seeking good fortune and what might betide Twas just as the day was a-dolding But after resting we both took a tramp We met Sergeant Harbor and Corporal Cramp Besides the wee drummer who beat up her camp With his rowdy-dow-dow -dow in the morning He says, my fine fellows, if you will enlist a guinea You'll have in your fist Besides a crown for To kick up the dust And drink the king's health In the morning Well if we'd been such fools As to take the advance With perhaps a bit more If we'd had to run chance You would think it no scruples To send us to France Where we would be killed In the morning He says my fine fellow Hear it one word, I instantly now will out of my sword, and into your bodies the strength will afford. So now my gay devils take warning. While Arthur and I, we looked at the odds, we gave. 
chance for to launch out their swords. Our trusty old claymores came over their heads and paid them right smart in the morning. As for the wee drummer, we rifled his pouch and we made up a ball of his rowdy dow cow and into the ocean to rock and to roll and vanish his ever returning. As for the old rapier that hung by his side, we flung it as far as we could in the tide. To the devil I bid you, says Arthur McBride, to temper your steel in the morning. The performer is Doug McKenzie. The song is Arthur McBride, a traditional Scots tune. And again, as you said, Doug, 10 years in the Air Force. What was your musical career before that time then? Well, I started out on the East Coast in, in upstate New York in Albany. I kind of grew up going to the Cafe Lena in Saratoga Springs. It's the longest continuously running coffee house in the United States. My brother performed there a lot, and he took me, but he was friends with a lot of the young folk singers of the day. He became friends with a young punk folk singer from uh, Hibbing, Minnesota, that we're all pretty familiar with, named Bob Dylan, in about 1961 or early 62. And from that point on, it was a constant stream of folk musicians coming through our house. There was Judy Collins and Len Chandler and... The Beers family, and Dave Van Ronk. Dave Van Ronk was like an uncle to me. Uh, there's all these people just came through, and I was steeped in this as a child. So when I grew up enough to get out on my own, I started doing the very same thing and became a, um, a house folk singer for a club in Albany, New York, and did that for about a year, and took off to the West Coast and went to college. And I still don't know how I did this, but I went to college full-time, I worked full-time, and I had a full-time musical career built a five-piece band, sometimes six pieces, and we toured up and down the, the West Coast from San Diego to Seattle, and I lived in San Francisco, so it was pretty much right in the middle, and did that for three years there. I was offered a contract by Atlantic Records, which I did turn down because they wanted to do very strange things with my music that I was not hip to. <laughs> so I kind of left disillusioned and came back to the East Coast and met my wife and thought I'd better join the service and do something that would get me more money. I was doing well on the West Coast, but once I left and sort of left all of the business behind, it was find something else to do or get back on the road. That's why I went and became got into aviation. The first two songs that you shared, both This Goddamn House and Arthur McBride, are going to be on the upcoming album that you and Sue West will be releasing. Have you no other recordings? Well, I have a lot of home recordings. I have I've put together a pretty decent studio at home, and this goddamn house was done in my house, and a couple of other tunes that we're going to go over today were done in my house. So I've done recording in the house, and it's a rather expensive deal to do on a regular basis if you go to a studio. So I thought, well, I'll just slowly put together my own studio, and I did. That's kept me at it, and I'm still doing it. So give us another example of some of your music, uh, something that is part of your song of the soul. There's a couple of songs that I'd like to talk about right away. One is called The Lonesome Death of Francis Clark, which is a song by a man named Michael Mara. I was introduced to him just last year by a pen pal, and she's in Scotland, and we got together because of music, and she would send me Scottish music, and I'd send her American folk music, and we'd send things back and forth. And last 
year, she sent me an album by a man named Michael Mara. And when I put this on, it was one of those albums that absolutely captured me to the point where I sat there and just listened for about five complete listenings through the whole album. I was so taken with it. And this is probably the song that I love the best. It's a very neat song. The man, I think, is just as good a lyricist as John Prine or Bob Dylan. He's a great storyteller. Turns out that Dylan liked him, too, and sought him out at one point. They called him the Bard of Dundee. He didn't travel much. It's a fabulous song that he wrote about his great uncle, a man named Francis Clark. And he only heard about her because of an aunt who mentioned his name, and he said, who, who's that? Well, I don't know any Uncle Francis. And he, she said, oh, well, we don't talk about him. And he said, why not? And she said, well, he had a bad marriage. And, you know, bad marriages weren't quite as popular back then as they are now. <laughs> and uh, I don't really think they're popular now either. <laughs> <laughs> so people just didn't really, they didn't really, family didn't talk about him. And it turned out that he was a man who spent his adult life in the shipyards. He was a shipwright, helped build the Discovery, then later got a job on board and he sailed all over the world on the Discovery and he eventually settled down in the Yukon Territory where he died. Michael said that he wrote this song just to say hello to him and perhaps try to convince people not to go off in a huff and leave their family members and not talk about them anymore. And the second song I wanted to talk about there was a song that's called The Spanish Flangdang, which I think is a slight bastardization of an older tune called The Spanish Fandango. And I first heard this in the living room of Elizabeth Cotton, who was an American treasure and one of America's great folk singers. And one of the songs she played was The Spanish Flangdang. And the piece that Sue and I recorded with Dakota Dave Hull playing a baritone guitar in it as well was my adaptation of Elizabeth Cotton's version. So let's listen to The Lonesome Death of Francis Clark, and that'll be followed by Spanish Flying Dang. There is a place out in the Yukon, and lying there is Shipwright's Bones by his side. Ads and compass. By his feet there is a curling stone. Lying by his feet there is a curling stone. And a fountain pen lies in his waistcoat. Although they found no written farewell, he died on a night that was cold as his family. Oh, it was icy at the gates of hell. Surprised that it was icy at the gates of hell. Fare thee well, brave Uncle Francis. When the snowflakes fall, I will sing the blues. And when I think of how you left this world, I will remember how the Fall, I will sing the blues, and when. 
When I think of how you left this world, I will remember how the world left you. Who among us would still say, I'll not forgive until my dying day? Between the earth and the sky above, there must be twinkling sea so summon up the drums of the blackness foundry blind matty the mackay twins too we'll sing it up from the overgate to anchorage place a coal upon the fire for you we'll place a precious coal upon the fire for you piece was Spanish Fandang, preceded by The Lonesome Death of Francis Clark. Both of them performed by Doug McKenzie and Friends, and they'll be on the upcoming album that RuralRootsMusic.com will be putting out. You are listening to Song of the Soul. This is a Northern Spirit Radio production on the web at NorthernSpiritRadio.org, where you'll find nine and a half years of our programs for free listening and download. You'll find the RSS feed in case you want to get our programs every week. You'll also find a place to post comments, and we really do love two-way communication. So when you visit, please post a comment. Let us know what you're thinking. 
There's also a place for donations, which is how we fund this enterprise. This full-time year-round work and the way that we fund it is by your contributions. So please click support when you visit to donate to Northern Spirit Radio. But even before that, and I would put this as number one on your priority list, support your local community radio station. They bring you a slice of music and they bring you news that you get nowhere else on the American airwaves. And so please, with your wallet, with your hands, support your local community radio station. Again, our guest today for Song of the Soul is Doug McKenzie, a good Scottish name, and you can hear it in the roots of his songs that he's got, even though he's American-born, and you don't talk too Scottish. Can you, can you talk like a Scotsman if you try, Doug? Oh, I can, yes. My father was Scottish, and so is my mother, so it comes quite naturally. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it does. Do you write your own songs ever? Do you write your own lyrics, and do you let the world see them? I do have a few songs, but not many. I just, I'm not a songwriter. It's unfortunate, I suppose, in some regard, because you know, everybody's got their own viewpoint, and they should work on their own poetry and so forth. But uh, having grown up around the people that my brother was uh, so engaged with back in the 60s, and having uh, a young Bob Dylan being a house guest and so forth, sort of dissuaded me from that sort of a route because everything that I would write, I would just invariably try not to sound like any of those people, but then I would also compare it to their work and I would just wind up crumpling it up and throwing it away and starting over with something else. But what I found more exciting for me was that there are so many songs that people have already written that hardly anyone knows. And so I really just enjoy just spreading all kinds of stuff. You know, I, I've, like I said, I grew up around all these incredible songwriters. You know, the artistic process, they say, has three primary phases, imitation and then assimilation and then innovation. And, of course, when I was 19, uh, every time I played, I played like Bob Dylan. And, you know, um, <laughs> once I realized that, oh, goodness, there's only one of him and you shouldn't ever do that. And that's advice I would give to anyone playing his music. Please don't sound like Bob. There's only one Bob or anybody. But you start out imitating. And then once you really do capture the song for yourself and you've assimilated it, then you start changing it a little bit and maybe changing it a lot. And before you know it, it's something else entirely. And then you've innovated and you've completed the artistic process. And if you do it deeply enough, you'll come up with new lyrics and a new melody and you have a new song. And you can do that. Or, as you said, there's such a bounty out there of just wonderful music. And I, I get to encounter it every week as I invite guests here for a Song of the Soul. I am curious on your internal perspective, and I'd like to get a little bit of your spiritual path so that I can get that, because, you know, it sounds to me like growing up as you did, surrounded by music, being in music, be, then working on planes and being in the military and having the heart attack, I sense that there's a deep and striking spiritual story there that's part of it. Could you fill that in for me a little bit? Sure. You know, I was raised in a Christian family in a congregational church, but going to college and hanging out with a lot of left-wing intellectuals sort of dissuaded me from that route, and I sort of left it altogether and was seeking and searching for a long time for meaningful people that uh, had more to say than I did. And I found them in abundance. I found them in all sorts of Zen poetry and in Buddhism and in Taoism. And then later on in the Middle East, actually, again, again, back to the Middle East, I discovered through my brother the poetry of Jalaluddin Rumi and uh, Hafiz. Rumi was Iranian and Hafiz was an Afghan. Hafiz was a Sufi poet 
who was considered one of the ecstatic poets. That's what they call it, ecstatic poetry. And it's sort of religion without any dogma, just the joy of being here and being present to every moment that you can possibly be and to uh, let every moment sink as deeply into you as you can and print itself on your soul so that when you do think about it, there's many more levels to it than just, well, it was a nice day in the park. It becomes a much deeper sort of experience. And it sort of led me to try to live that way, to not let anything, even the most commonplace things, not let them be banal or everyday. Even doing the dishes, you can have enlightenment. I think it's doing things mindfully, because when you are doing banal tasks, if you just go through them with no thought of anything else, then it makes for a fairly hollow existence, and, and yet infinity can be captured in every second if we're able to capture it. And so... I'm always looking for the deeper aspects of everything I do. So I haven't found any objective meaning to life, but I should know there's subjective meaning for sure. It's meaning that I find and what I bring to things, and I'm sort of the way of a peaceful warrior. Those are my paths, and you know, I sort of look at life as a mountain. There isn't just one path up the mountain. There's all kinds of paths on a mountain, but they all lead to the same summit. You know, I really relate to that phrase, religion without dogma. Actually, I figure that's what I've got as a Quaker. But where's your community? Where's your spiritual community? It's mostly online, actually. Cary, North Carolina isn't really famous for its alternative spiritual paths. When I first moved down here to a little town called Fuquay Varina, there was a 98-year-old woman that lived down the street from us. And just as soon as we moved in, she got her little walker out, she came right down the street, wanted to see who was moving into her neighborhood. And she knocked on the door, and I was at work. I was in the Air Force, and I was at work. My wife was there and just unpacking things. And almost the first words out of this woman's mouth were, uh, so what church do you go to? And we didn't really go to a church, and we were married by a Methodist minister. And so my wife did a little quick mental tap dancing and said, uh, we're Methodists. And the woman said, oh, that's too bad. We're Baptists. <laughs> And I say, well, okay, sorry, we're in the wrong outfit. Um, but I always looked at church as basically just a place where people go to compare clothes. So I, I just wasn't in, in, interested in that kind of a community. I think when I, where I find a lot of my kindred spirits are at music festivals, at a lot of concerts I play. I'm surprised very often at the end of a concert, people will come up and talk to me, and they don't want to talk about folk music. They don't want to talk about Scottish music. They don't want to talk about those things. They somehow glean something from me. I try not to proselytize from the stage. I, I don't like that. So I don't like it in other people, so I try not to do it. But maybe some of my music choices inform them that I'm cut from a different cloth. And very often they'll come up to me and start asking me the very kinds of questions you're asking me, which is wonderful. And I guess that's my community right there, these people that they come up and do this sort of thing. And very often they wind up becoming friends or uh, associates at least, you know, some, some sort of folks that stop in from time to time. And Facebook has gotten very big with that. And there are a lot of people... Sometimes it's a little bit weird because it can be an echo chamber. I really like to have different points of view, too. And fortunately, a lot of my friends feel the same way. So I think that's where a lot of my community is, actually. It's not really down here where if you're not a Baptist, you're, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> well, I think you're just fine the way you are, okay? Well, thank you. <laughs> as long as you give us some more music. Certainly. Did you stop doing music or ratchet it back considerably when you're working on planes in the, those 30 years? Did that still mix? 
only publicly. I just I didn't have enough time to go out. I would catch a festival here or there. I'd get the odd uh, invitation for a club or they were still, it was the beginning of the house concert era and uh, I was still getting invited out and people would say, hey, well, come and do a house concert. I would do some of those. So, I'd, you know, I'd play publicly two or three times a year, but that was about it. But at home, I played every single day, every single night. I might play a half hour before I'd go to work. And then once I got home and got all the aviation grime washed off me, I would play for an hour or two in the evenings. And, and it was always that way. I've been very passionate about music all my life. Well, we're passionate about hearing some more from you. Keep us going. What's next? There's a tune that I included for you called Rocks and Gravel. It's an interesting sort of little combination song. I first heard it from Mance Lipscomb, who was a Texas bluesman and one of the greats. And another fellow who didn't get enough exposure, I think. He's definitely not known mainstream, but he was a really great guitar player and a good songwriter. Bob Dylan picked it up when he was first got to New York, or he picked it up somewhere, and it got recorded. And oddly enough, it got recorded when my brother was present in the Gaslight, which was a tiny little basement coffee house down on uh, Bleecker Street in New York City. And my brother was down spending a long weekend in Bob's apartment on 4th Street, and so he would go out in the evenings with Bob and Bob's girlfriend, Susie, and then go out to the gigs that he was playing. And this was one of the tunes that he played that I remember my brother telling me about, but it was never to be found. And then I think in about early 2001, 2002 or something like that, Dylan released, somebody had taped these things, and they'd been running around the bootleg circle for a long time, but I had never heard them. And he released it through actually through Starbucks, of all people. I happened to be in picking up some coffee for somebody, and I saw this album, and I went, Bob Dylan at the Gaslight? Oh, my God, i got to pick it up. And there was that song, and so I picked up two copies and sent one to my brother, and I said, is, were, you, is this, were you there? Is this yours? You know, were you part of this? And he said, yep, that was there. I was there for that. And so I, I just sort of adapted it. It's not really... Mance Lipscomb's version. It's not really Bob Dylan's version. It's sort of my version. And uh, when I recorded it, it sat and, and didn't go anywhere on, on YouTube. Probably had four or 500 views for uh, several years. And then January 2014, I just poked my head in to see if anybody had been listening to it. And all of a sudden, it was up to like 5,500 views. And I went, what the heck? What happened? I asked somebody about it in the you know, music that I knew, and they said, well, you, haven't you heard the Jeep commercial? And I said, what Jeep commercial? And they said, oh, they used that on a Jeep commercial. And I said, my recording? I said, no, but it's your arrangement for sure. And so <laughs> I found the, the commercial and listened to it, and sure enough, somebody had taken my arrangement of it and had used it and recorded it for a Jeep commercial. And I wasn't, I, I don't want to sell Jeeps, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't use the way it is. But hey, you know, it, it pushed more people toward the song, and uh, I really enjoyed recording it. And I really liked playing it. Kind of a lonesome walking holler is what it is. Where that speaks to me is just really what the words say. It takes a lot of rocks and gravel to make a solid road. And the rocks and gravel that we have in our life are the things that we find that stay with us and have some legs to them. If you lay them down properly and take care of them and grade them and look after them, they'll provide a road for you that will be a good road to travel on. Rocks and gravel. Take some rocks and gravel, baby. Make a solid road. Make a solid road. 
get some Roxanne Gravel, baby Make a solid road Takes a good woman, mama Satisfy my weary
guest today for Song of the Soul is Doug McKenzie, and that was his arrangement and version of Rocks and Gravel, traditional song, Mance Lipscomb. I guess maybe he had maybe the most popular version of the song. Is that a fair thing to say, Doug? Yeah, I would say that probably once Dylan's leaked out, that one became the most popular one. And you can see Doug performing it on YouTube. It's kind of an interesting experience we have here today for Song of the Soul because I don't think there's a single song that you've chosen for today that is out there on a released CD, although several of them are going to be on the upcoming one that you and Sue West are going to release. You can keep following that progress via ruralrootsmusic.com and you can follow the link from nordenspiritradio.org. So Rocks and Gravel. It's interesting how you relate to these things. I have so many different ideas of what you're like, Doug, and why these things are the attractors for your soul. It seems like a very interesting hodgepodge in there. It is. If I'm nothing else, I'm eclectic, that's for certain. (laughs) I like a good jump blues tune as much as I like a beautiful old Scottish bagpipe pibroch. Pibrochs are what they call the classical music of bagpipes. It's not for everyone's taste. They're usually very long, slow pieces that are meditative pieces, basically. And I can listen to those, and I can listen to uh, Gregorian chants, and I can listen to dervish music. If it moves me somehow, then it's music for me. Because for me, that is the point of music. It has to hit me emotionally, but it has been the bomb of my life. Uh, Music has. I lost both my parents very early. I was 10 when I lost my father, and I was 15 when I lost my mother. And by the time I was 30, I'd lost every aunt and uncle. All the grandparents were gone. I kept realizing over and over that we keep losing things. and Life is sort of a series of losses. And the one thing that is never I've never lost is music. It's always there, and there's new music always coming my way. So it's one of the things that sort of informs my soul. Well, let's keep going on your eclectic journey, Song of the Soul. What's up? A song called Don't Hide Your Soul. This was a song that was introduced to me by Sue West, and it was introduced to me at our recording sessions last October. And it was a song that she sort of played through once, and I thought, okay, let me just see what we can do with that. And I just played a little guitar in the background to it. If you record for three weeks straight, you're going to get sick. (laughs) It just happens, and we did. I got tonsillitis, and she got some sort of viral infection, and we were just really starting to hit the downward spiral of that, and you can almost tell it in her voice, but the other things that I heard in her voice were so beautiful that the message in Don't Hide Your Soul is clear and unequivocal. Don't hide your soul. We all need to see it. The world needs to see it Don't hide your voice The world needs to hear it Your visions to reveal Your tenderness to heal Your heart that is real Share what you feel Don't hide your mind The world needs to know it Don't hide your heart 
feel it Time passes by We're born and we die We still wonder why song and good advice don't hide your soul that recording by sue west and doug mckenzie music doug mckenzie is my guest here today for song of the soul again just a a beautiful gentle sweet compelling message something that we more need to take care of do you feel like you do a good job of that doug do you not hide your soul i think i do i try i try very much to uh be a what you see is what you get person I uh, eschew playing games and all the artificial constructs that we use to baffle people and keep ourselves hidden from other people. I'm not like that. I'm pretty much who who you're talking to right now. There's more to me, of course, because we're only talking for a few minutes, but I try to maintain myself as an open person and uh, try not to hide my soul. Well, unfortunately, we've come near the end of our time. Can we have one more song to conclude your Song of the Soul? I would love to do one more song. Uh, this song is actually performed by my brother, my older brother, Guy, who started me on this musical path at such a young age. And this is a recording that was made at the Fox Hollow Folk Festival in Petersburg, New York, in 1968, when my brother closed the evening on a Saturday night for this four-night festival. And this was a song he wrote, and I grew up hearing this song played over and over and over again. And I have been lucky and very fortunate to have people over the years come up to me all over the country and say, I know this song. I went to the Fox Hollow Festival. I remember seeing your brother. 
or people I just recently this past week somebody in New York told me that he's he's got a radio show and he's and I had just put this up on my wall in Facebook and he said oh thank you for putting this up I play this regularly on my radio program and I'll tell you even after all this time every time I hear it it makes my eyes water up my brother is that kind of a performer he's that kind of person He's a very soft-spoken man, but when he speaks, dogs stop barking and the birds stop whistling and <laughs> everybody listens to him. And uh, I learned to do that myself. I wanted to be like him and have that sort of a, a soul myself and worked to foster that kind of a, a life. And that song, as I said, goes all the way back to my early childhood, and I've heard it all my life. It's been recorded by a number of other people. But this, as far as I'm concerned, is the finest recording of it. I recorded it for the new album with Sue, but I don't think it touches what my brother did that night in uh, Petersburg, New York. So we'll end today's Song of the Soul interview with Doug McKenzie with a song written and performed by Doug's brother, Guy McKenzie. The song is Lullaby. I have to say, Doug, it's just a treat getting to know you, hear your stories, and of course your music. I wish you and Sue West great things in your collaboration. Again, folks, you'll find the two of them via ruralrootsmusic.com. As always, the link is there on northernspiritradio.org. Also on my site, you'll find one more song that we just couldn't squeeze into this broadcast. So please do visit and listen to the bonus excerpts. And when you visit, please post a comment as well. Really, Doug, thank you so much for the music, for the stories, and for joining me today for Song of the Soul entirely my pleasure mark thank you very much for having me guy mckenzie lullaby we'll see you next week for song of the soul go to sleep my precious one light is gone and dark is here close your eyes see the sun Reach you for a star to steer Now's the time to plan your night To set the course for better things Close your eyes, dim the light
So sing of love all through the night. Find the best your heart can give. And when you wake from morning light, find your dreams and make them live. Theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy Let in the light It will heal you And you can feel you And sing out a song